is first establish what your assets are, what you care about, how much they're worth, and then that actually guides your investment in security. So you don't want to spend $100,000 protecting an asset that's only worth $200,000. So ladies and gentlemen, log into your CMS, whatever it is, make sure that the CMS version's up to date. So it's the latest version of WordPress, it's the latest version of Magento, it's the latest version of Joomla, and make sure that all of your plugins are updated as well. That's a big thing that people often miss out because people sort of automatically go with their minds to all oh, the hackers are out there to get me. Yeah. But information security is about more than that. It's about the stability of your business. Digital Cowboys Episode 4. We discuss everything digital marketing and growth hacking for small businesses, startups and entrepreneurs. So if you want that competitive edge, then saddle up because Cameron Francis and Sam Roshan are about to drop some value bombs. Hey everybody, this is Cameron Francis and this is episode 4 of the Digital Cowboys. Super excited today, it's Saturday, I'm in my office, it's actually a beautiful day waiting for the football to start and I'm joined with Mark Culhane. Now, Mark is the CTO and CISO at Security Shift. Security Shift is a Melbourne-based IT company that specialises in secure cloud services, managed IT operations, infosec auditing, whole bunch of nerd stuff. Mark has a track record of success at organizations and major projects, including the Department of Defense, Oz Registry, CompuWare, and Asset Owl. He has fulfilled a range of roles like the head of IT, information security officer, on-site consultant, and systems administrator. He's presented on topics like information security, management systems, and attack vectors in DNS at conferences, including the Australian Internet Governance Forum. Whew. I was lucky enough to uh, be his celebrant at his wedding and have spent some time overseas running amok. He's probably the smartest guy I know and someone you can liken to as Sheldon from The Big Bang Theory. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Culhane. <laughs> hey, Mark, how you doing? Hey, good, thank you. You want to get close to that microphone yes, there, buddy? there we go, there we go. What's going on? Uh, not much, just um, relaxing here in the office, in the lovely e-traffic office. So what's the biggest news that's happened to you in the last three, four months? So, it's been a busy three or four months, actually. So, um, myself and a business partner actually founded Security Shift um, about four months ago. So, we did that through a couple of acquisitions uh, and a couple of key clients that yep. we have. Uh, and I also actually had my first baby, Woo! a baby boy. Yes. What's so his name? His name's Maxwell. Maximus Aurelius? <laughs> yeah, Maxwell, not Maximus. So, that's Max Ma- Maxwell, middle name? What's Keanu. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so his name's Maxwell yeah. Keanu. Culhane, yeah. Culhane. Yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. I, how come you've never told me his middle name? Because you've never asked. Because that exact reason? Yeah. Can you you got to tell me where Keanu came from. Uh, Is it the actor? Uh, you no, like so me. So it's actually an Indonesian name. So my wife's Indonesian. Uh-huh. And uh, Keanu is an Indonesian name. Which represents good luck and good fortune. So Keanu Reeves, is, is he Indonesian? No, so it's a different spelling. It's Keanu like piano. With a K. Ah, okay. Yeah. Is there any lines above any letters? No, they no. don't have that. Either. No, they don't do that? No. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, so I actually wanted to get you here today because you, as I was saying in the intro, that you're, you, you know a lot about security, right? And I think that there's a little bit of a gap for typical business owners on how to safeguard and, and keep their yeah. web assets safe. Yeah. So, um, yeah, what, like first thing I wanted to go through would be, you know, what, what would you advise from a security point of view for, for typical business owners? Yeah, so the, the place that I always start, uh, especially with small and medium businesses, um, is a risk-based approach. So with, with IT security, um, it's basically a never-ending bucket of money that you can spend. Um, and there has to be a point where you say, all right, I'm not going to spend that money because I'm not going to get a return on investment. Sure. So the place that I always start, especially with small to medium businesses, is first establish what your assets are, what you care about, how much they're worth, and then that actually guides your investment in security. So you don't want to spend $100,000 protecting an asset that's only worth $200,000. Like, So when you say assets, so we're talking purely online, right? We're talking about any informational-based asset. So that can be, for example, your website. Yep. It can be your, your emails and your calendar and your contacts. It can even be stuff like your, your brand. So you might say, if we get uh, our website hacked, 
It's not actually going to influence our revenue because we don't really get revenue from the site, but we know that a lot of our customers visit, visit the site, and if we get, get hacked, then that's going to damage our brand value, and you can infer some, some type of... Uh, a financial mm. uh, impact from something like that. So you would look at your assets and you basically got to work out what's the value to you. Exactly. And it's not like a perfect science. Like, for example, brand values, it's always difficult to pin down to a specific thing. Mm. But you can use that as a guide for, all right, I understand that this is something that we care about to an extent of, say, $100,000 a year or $10,000 a year. Or maybe it's something that's that's really not that material. Maybe it's only worth 200 bucks to you or something. That's really interesting. If I'm a business and I ask myself, okay, if my if my website shut down yep. and I don't have it anymore, yep. what impact does that have on my exactly. business? That's the question. That's the question. That's okay. exactly what you need to interesting. answer. Because that... That is how you decide how much money you're going to spend on protecting. Never thought of it that way. That's really interesting. Okay, so like, for example, if my website shut down, I reckon that it would have a very minimal impact, to be honest. I'd just build up a new one. Exactly, exactly. So that would mean that you would not want to spend so much money on protecting that asset, but you might say that uh, if we're unable to communicate via phone, so if our phone system goes down, then that might be something that you want to protect more. And when I'm talking about protection, it's not just or the hackers are out to get us. Okay. So information security is about confidentiality and integrity. So that's about preventing people from hacking stuff or preventing people from accessing data that, that should be confidential. Mm-hmm. But the other big one is availability. So you can say that we want to provide information security for our phone system, and that may not be that important that it's confidential or has integrity of its information. It may be about we need our phones to be up and available and if something happens, we need a plan for how to get them back online as soon as possible. Okay. Yeah, so that's a big thing that people often miss out because people sort of automatically go with their minds to, all oh, the hackers are out there to get me. Yeah. But information security is about more than that. It's about the stability of your business. Very good. Yeah. Very good. I can't believe we've never actually spoken about this before. Yeah, well, it's it's not exactly the most entertaining of topics. Generally. But it's important. <laughs> but it's important though, right? Exactly. Okay, so like let's go with... Um, uh, website security. We've I've calculated that if it was to go down, then the cost to me is going to be X. Yep. So what would you invest in security? Exactly. So that's where um, where you generally need some some expertise. Like it would be for most small businesses that don't have an experienced IT department or information security specialist. Then once you've decided that, you want to figure out what the best value for money protections are. So to use I guess a, a well trodden term. You want to go for the for the low hanging fruit. So yep. you want to do the stuff that costs the least and provides the highest level of protection. Example. Uh, so, for example, uh, having a redundant web server. Um, for example, having SSL encryption on your site. Okay. Yeah. So step one, what should someone do? So it, it's hard to say uh, specifically for a person like you. For you, you really need to have an understanding of the business and of, of what they're doing. Um, so like I said, you, you want to start with a risk-based approach, then you want to start going into those steps one, two, and three. For example, most businesses' uh, email and website are generally important online assets. And the reason why we start there is because online assets are open to attack by everyone. Yep. It's not like your, your mailbox downstairs where someone actually has to physically come and access it. Anyone from all over the world can, can hit your emails and can hit your, your online applications. So just doing some basic security on those things is generally recommended. Um, Let, let's let's put it from a practical point of view. Yeah. Okay, so I want to I want to secure my web, my my hosting, my emails. Yeah. What where do I go? What do I do? What do I look for? Yeah. So generally, you'll engage someone or or a company to to say, uh, can you have a look at what we've currently got? Uh, and then they'll do a basic a basic check, a basic scan. They might lo- might log in and... What are they going to scan? What are they going to check? So what are the questions that, yeah, you know what I mean? What are yeah. they going to be asking? So the big thing uh, generally is, uh, is patching. So if you're running um, like an old version of a web server or an old version of web WordPress or old version of WordPress plugins and, and stuff like that, they're generally vulnerable to automated attacks. Yep. So when you're looking at, uh, at someone that's trying to attack you, there's sort of different layers. And the vast, vast, vast majority of attacks are uh, guys, not, not like really organized guys, they're guys that are just doing online scans across 
huge ranges of the internet, not looking for you in particular. They're just looking for a WordPress site or... That hasn't been updated. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And, and that, that is just the most basic level of security is saying that I don't want to be the most vulnerable person on the internet because you're going to be the first one to be attacked. So ladies and gentlemen, log into your CMS, whatever it is, make sure that the CMS version's up to date. So it's the latest version of WordPress, it's the latest version of Magento, it's the latest version of Joomla, and make sure that all of your plugins are updated as well. Yep. We've Before that we actually had someone managing the our server itself, we had a couple of accounts that actually Ooh. got hacked. When we actually did the analysis and how they got hacked, it was through these bloody plugins. Yep. And, and uh, it's not something to be embarrassed or ashamed about. I've worked at, at really advanced IT companies that do, that do really serious and, and technical IT operations, but stuff like your, your websites and your blogs, they're not in the forefront of your mind, depending on what you do. So it, it is really easy to, to not patch them yep. if you don't have it automated. And, and having things automated is also difficult because... Uh, if, for example, if you're a WordPress user, sometimes updating WordPress breaks your site. So it you always no, it always <laughs> breaks your site. All right, especially if you um, have a lot of like, try not to have as, as many plug like too many plugins. Yes. Every time it's updated, it like something always breaks. You know, it, yeah. it's just the way it is. Um, and when you do that, you've got to spend and pay money to actually get the website back to what it actually is. Exactly. So, um, you know, one of the things that we do is we take a backup of the site, yep. update the, the, the CMS version, yep. update all the plugins, yep. then we just check the site to see what needs to be changed. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and a lot of, uh, again, with information security, a lot of people focus on the sort of technical wizardry and all of the cool sort of black magic stuff. But a lot of the best value comes from just having some simple processes like what you said. Yep. The simple processes are uh, every every week or every month we do patching. When we do patching, we take a backup, we deploy it, we do this test, this test covers these things. And just doing that basic process stuff, it's boring and it's not kind of sexy, but that's the sort of thing that really doesn't cost a lot of money. Mm -hmm. It costs a little bit of time, uh, but that provides a massive increase in your protection. That means that you're no longer... Uh, the primary target for those guys doing random scanning around the internet. What, now that we do that, I uh, knock on wood and you know all of that stuff. We haven't been attacked. Yeah, and yeah. and it was it's literally that simple. You just check it, just update it, and yeah. that, that's it. Exactly. That and and that's the um, the point where it comes to, to again a risk based approach. Um, so I would argue, like, uh, if you're doing that, yes, you, you you're going to be much more protected. But if, if, for example, uh, China or Russia or an intelligence agency comes along and tries to attack you, or really advance attacker targets you specifically, like you're still going to get. Don't skip. Don't don't skip. Yeah. Why the, why would China attack no, exactly. Billy Bob's plumber? Exactly. So why would they bother spending the money on protecting against an advanced persistent threat when they're not going to be a target for it? Yep. And um, I think that's a big problem in the security industry. Is there's not really a differentiation between. Um, a small to medium enterprise that doesn't need to worry about those threats, and then a big enterprise that's got thousands of people that d does need. Yeah, to worry of course. yeah, okay. So you just there needs to be some kind of tiering, and I guess this yeah. is something that um, right now we're, we're probably going to be touching tier one, yeah. um, like if that's what you want to call or tier whatever's the like entry level. Yeah. Um, and so long like. Update your CMS, and I know that everyone has a host, or they all have a web development company. Don't rely on them. Like no. you should not be relying on a company that has no, um, you know, no say in your business. You should like that's your responsibility. Yeah. And the, the, the other thing to be aware of is that in general, like the the large scale generic hosting companies uh, that offer fantastic prices, if they're getting let's say 50 bucks or 100 bucks or 200 bucks a month, you're kidding yourself, mate. That's nine dollars a month. Yeah, exactly. You know so, what I mean? So how is it? Go how are they going to make money if they have to have a system admin? Look at your site. The system admin, even for an hour, is going to cost them what four hundred bucks in in on costs and all that sort of stuff. Four hundred bucks an hour for a nine dollar a month yeah. client. It just doesn't make sense. So, um, what would you recommend for hosting for small to me? Uh, so again, again, it depends how important the asset is to you. If it is your primary source of income, then the the hosting provider. Yes and no, it does matter. But the fact that you, what you need is someone either internal to your organization or external <coughs> just providing that high level of expertise, 
making sure that they actually apply those processes and being able to to understand. So, for example, if you do a if you do a scan of the website and the server, and there's vulnerabilities that come up, most most people are not going to be able to say, "Oh, I know what what this vulnerability means. I know that this cipher is insecure because of X Y Z." Like, yep. it's not it's not realistic for a small to medium business to have people like that. Um, so, in general, it's a good idea to to get a, a a company like, uh, for example, Security Shift does that. Yep. We'll do cursory scans of the sites, and then we'll just make sure that there's nothing glaring. It's not going to provide you with 100% protection. It's just going to get you off that bottom rung of yes. Of and again, it's got to do with risk, right? Like exactly. if you're if you don't have a level two, three, four, five risk, then yeah. why pay for that protection? Exactly. Exactly. Very good. Um, Okay, so that's from the website point of view. Uh, What about, actually, no, let's stay on that. Like, do you think that a business owner should be backing up their own website? And if, or should they be paying someone? That should be a service that they they, they should be getting. Uh, So, again, it depends on the expertise of the person. It depends whether they have an IT department. They don't, and they don't have expertise. So let's go no and no for both. Then, then yes, uh, you, you need to figure out how to get a backup of your site because, yeah, there's just a an unending list of, of people that lose their sites, whether it's through malicious activities, whether it's through the hosting company having having a mess up, yeah. whether it's through them accidentally deleting their website. Like there's so many ways that you can that you can lose assets online. Uh, and you you just need to have backups. How often would you say do it? Well, the key is to automate it. Like, you shouldn't have to, to do it. You should be able to get it in a place where I know that my my site and my assets are getting backed up every day. And not only are they getting backed up, I know that they can be restored easily and I know how they're restored. So there's no point taking backups if you don't know how to restore them, right? So it is a little bit more complicated than just, uh, I'm just going to make sure that these files are all kept on this disk. It has to be also... Uh, if we do lose our site, how do we get it back up online? How long does it take? Is that acceptable for us? How much lost data do we have? Like, if we lose all of the orders from the day, is that okay or not? Um, so there's a lot of a lot of sort of um, finer grain detail when you start looking into it. Um, but at a minimum, yes, you need to have the backup of. Yeah. I'm just going to log into our CMS now. To we we actually have a plugin on our site that does automatically back up the site, and we set the frequency. Mm-hmm. So I want it backed up every week um, at this time and then I want that backup to be stored that version for the next three months and then they start to um, rotate yeah so start eating like um, uh, over what is the word overriding yeah overriding it so and that's enough for me because I mean shit if you are not um, if you're not monitoring after three months that your website there's a mistake on there then you know it doesn't mean a lot to you yes exactly Uh, okay cool so let's jump to emails yeah, so email's one of those really, really interesting protocols that um, that got created at the at the very beginnings of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you my issue with emails? Yeah. Okay, yeah so um, we started off. Well, forget where we started. We've got Google Apps. Yeah. Right, and I've got a Mac. So I used. I logged in my emails through the Mac Mail. Yeah. The issue is being able to get back my emails. You know my archives. Yeah, it, that's a problem. Like really? this, yeah, I can't. I just, I just can't. So what I do now? So I've gone back to Gmail. Gmail has an absolutely disgusting search bar for previous. <laughs> like it is terrible. So I, I couldn't do that. And you know, we're doing my like what I, I, I need to have my email stored. You know, yeah. just for my own security. Yeah. So what I've done now is every single email, whether it's through inbox, sent, junk trash, whatever it is, every single one of them is archived. Yeah. So every, so it's just in my, I've got 34,200 emails. That's in, quite a lot of emails. But I've, it's all there. <laughs> I know that if I need something that's yeah. been sent or if someone sends something to me that's in my junk folder, it's in that bad boy right there. Yeah. At some point, I'm going to run out of space. <laughs> I'll let future Cameron worry that. <laughs> yeah, that's future Cameron's problem. But what do you reckon about emails? What should one do? Um, so... So definitely in terms of uh, storing and backing up, if, if you've got a requirement like that, um, yeah, in general, the, the cloud service providers like Office 365 and Gmail, they're really, they've come a long way and they're, they're pretty good services now. Okay. Um, but the interesting stuff about email is is how trust-based it is and, and how much people believe it more than they should. 
So, for example, uh, right now I could I could send I could write a little script and and send you an email from accounts at atraffic.com.au. So you're going to receive the email to your inbox, and you're going to see that it's from accounts at atraffic.com.au. And I'm going to say, oh, hey, Cameron, I need you to transfer a thousand bucks to this account because we've we've got a locked account or something. And it's amazing how many people assume that when an email comes into their inbox, if it says it's from accounts at atraffic.com.au, that it's from you guys. You just click the, see what I've done here is I've, this is an email from Buzz Sumo yep. Alerts. You click down and it actually has the email. Yep. Are you saying in that it'll have accounts? Yeah, you can completely spoof an email. Whoa. So it is, email is completely Whoa. insecure. I, I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah, no, Are you kidding I'm, me? I've got a script right here. I can do it can, for can, you. Is it, is it, will it take long? Uh, I'll bring it up here. If you, if you can multitask, I'd be, okay, so what, ladies and gentlemen, he's going to do, he's going to send me an email from, this is kind of scary now. Like you get this from, um, go, the government, uh, so yeah. saying you've got to pay tax or, or the bank yeah. log in. And then it's like a, it would be a firewall or something that you go to a different site, you put in your details. Yeah, or, or even just like, so the, the big thing that's happening amazingly regularly at the moment is, is corporations are losing money because People are spoofing emails from the CEO, and they're sending it to accounts and saying, "Oh, I'm in, I'm in uh, Japan, or I'm mm. in the Philippines, or whatever. I need you to wire this money immediately." And like, if it's a large organization and people never talk to the yeah, CEO yeah, 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 and yeah. they know his name and they know that's his email account, they're just wiring the money, and it's it's, it's amazing Christ. how often it's happening. And that no, but yeah, but see, like for, for me, like I would be a victim of this. Right. Yeah. So if I like, you know how, because my safeguard, you know, when you get those emails from the Commonwealth Bank or you get those emails from yeah. the government, when you do click down, you'll see it's from like ANZ dash bank dash Commonwealth dot com for, you know what I mean? So it's not the actual. Yeah. So this is where I was, you know, if you can actually get it so it, it appears the email is accounts at traffic.com.au. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. I actually. Yeah. That's 100%. that's really scary. So there are there are a bunch of controls that you can actually do to prevent that from being able to be done. But it's very rare. Oh, well, it's not very rare. But it's very rare for a small to medium business to to implement those controls because. Well, so when you're saying controls, like is is this like a common sense what a one two three step kind of pattern so like if i see an email no. from accounts the first thing i'm going to do is i'm going to i'm going to give a call to to carla i said did you send this so that that's an excellent one and that comes back to the the not sexy process stuff so yeah, yeah. that is a control that would if you had a, a policy at your organization that said no one can transfer money to anyone without phone verification that would stop the problem okay so everyone implement that today <laughs> and i'm not joking that's going to be done the fact that and i want you to prove it i want you to send so again mark's going to be sending me an email saying hey can you transfer some money from accounts but that's now a protocol like um if if money needs to be transferred um that there needs to be phone verification and that and that is is that enough of a safeguard that yeah so when you say enough of a safeguard like there's a bunch of other intricacies to it that could 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 mess that up but that's going to cover so much of it that it for something that's free and you can implement right away yeah uh yeah i mean it's a phone call you know no one's that busy it's a phone call or even a text like relax not an email (laughs) can can you spoof a text yes of course you can spoof a text how do you spoof text (laughs) it's so these protocols are not implemented to have authentication of senders. Okay, no texting for verification of money transfers. Wow, yeah. you're opening my eyes here, Mr. Culhane. That's yeah. excellent. Um, all right, so we're looking at... Okay, keep going through email protocols. This yeah. is fascinating. So, so, so email stuff, um, again, like, as you mentioned, the, the phone call is a great process way to protect against that. There are other automated ways. So automated ways are always a little bit better because that means that you don't have to do anything. So... There's stuff like SPF records, which uh, set a policy framework. So that's like a DNS entry where you specify which servers can send emails on behalf of your domain. But again, like uh, if you go down to 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 a small to medium business and you go, oh, can you just implement a, a SPF record on your DNS? They're gonna. I don't even know what you just said. <laughs> like they're gonna look at you like the way I'm looking at you. <laughs> Whole bunch of letters there, man. Yeah. So. Uh, there, there comes a point where it's worth it for an organization to not just say, um, 
all right, we'll be aware of this and we'll make the phone call, where it becomes worth it to say, we're going to get a bit of help and get someone in that can do that, that extra level of automation and that extra level of assurance. I think what it would come down to, again, guys, is um, when you were talking initially by the threat, like what is the risk for your business, yeah. right? Um, for a, the bigger the business is, the bigger the risks are, right? Like the more money you can transfer, the yeah. more le- levels there are to the CEO, to the you know to the person requ- to the accounts team. So um, I mean, from my point of view, uh, and for businesses of similar sizes, then you know that phone verification. I mean, really, just implement it, right? Yeah, yeah, and um, and when when you touch on the topic of 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 how much uh, larger organisations spend on security. If you look at like the Australian big four banks and, and the US banks, they spend literally billions of dollars on, on information security. It's, it's insane how much they're spending. Do you have any data on it? I'm, I'm looking it up here. And so according to Gartner, worldwide spending on information has reached $75.4 billion in 2015. <laughs> yeah, so it's... The, they're spending a lot of money. On wow! It. So that's why you chose this industry, huh? <laughs> not bad. It's not bad. And the digital marketing industry comes in. <laughs> well played, sir. All right. So, like, so you know how we're talking about uh, storing and saving emails? Yeah. I want some data around that. Yeah. Um, and some steps around that, and like other things that you know, a, a, someone running a small to medium business, you know, up to a hundred employees from one employee, right? Um, what are some of the yeah, things so that basic email, email, just with basic email? Of course, storing and backing up the emails. Um, See, you know how I'm telling you, I, I, I've archived 35,000. Uh, 35, yeah. I'm not doing that with everyone, right? Yeah. And, and I, I really should be. Yeah. Especially if they're sending emails through to clients. Yeah. And, yeah. So you know, one of the, the really great things be. about the, the big cloud service providers like your Office 365s and your, your Gmail is, is you're basically getting unlimited, well, not unlimited storage, but more storage than you could ever need at a price that is insanely good. So it's actually really simple to set up um, set up basic email routing that will mean that every email that comes in and out of your organization will be stored in an archive account where it's something that you can, you can go and look at and you can go and review and, and restore if required. But that is, of course, meaning that you're still trusting that uh, Google and and Microsoft are not going to lose your data, mm. and and honestly, if for a small to medium business, I I think that's pretty reasonable. Microsoft and Google have not, to to my knowledge, had any major data loss of of clients in the, in the past five years. Yeah. So I think for for most organisations, it's completely reasonable just to depend on on your cloud services provider to provide that level of assurance. If you if you want to take that extra step, there, there's plenty of tools available to 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 go in and pull those emails down to to somewhere offline. So when I say offline, the the, the key point of that is one of the biggest risks of, of how you're going to lose emails is uh, through accidental or 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 bad user deletion. So for example, if you accidentally delete your emails. Or if you've got someone in your organization who's got access to all those emails mm. or those email accounts who accidentally or maliciously deletes them. So having an offline backup means that it's you, you can only send data to it. You can't go in and delete data from it. Yep. So yep. there's a lot of services provide that. Um, Any recommend? Like we'll put it so, in the show notes. Yeah. Like what do you recommend? Uh, best recommendation for, for a small to medium business is, is Amazon's Glacier service. So basically what that is, is you can send unlimited data to, to the Glacier service, which is like a bunch of tapes and hard disks, and you just send data to it, and it's complete. It's almost free to send data to it. It's like a matter of sense. Okay. And then the only time you really pay for it is when you go, all right, we've had a major problem. I need to go and retrieve that data. And it, you have to go through a series of validations. I'm going to look it up. What, how do you spell it? It's Glacier. It's in like the, the melting glaciers. <laughs> But if I type in Glacier... AWS Glacier. AWS. Yeah. All right. I'm going to put this in the show notes and most likely going to purchase it. But yeah, sorry, continue. Mm. Um, okay. So we were talking about... I think I think we've covered backing up emails. Yeah. And, and but is there anything else that someone should look for? Because this, this is actually, you know, from, from my point of view and security and, and all of yeah. that stuff... 
if someone in my organization sends an email, I'm liable for the contents yeah. in that email, right? Yeah. So it's important that I need to have, but then there's also, there's also confidentiality. I can't just look up my employees' emails. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. It depends on your information security policies, on your employee agreements. So in general, okay, most, NGS, most corporations uh, will have uh, uh, parts in their employee agreement that allow them for a specific reason to go and look at um, any email that's been sent or received to it. For a reason. Yeah. It's like how a policeman can frisk someone if they find that, if they feel that they're suspicious. Yes. Uh, except that this is generally contract uh, and lawyer terms for basically whenever we want. Okay. It's pretty general. Okay. But, but the, the law strictly says. E traffickers, um, I'm not checking your emails. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, Glacier, checking emails, backing them all up. Um, Is there anything else that someone should... Okay, what about the disclaimer in the email? Yeah, that that is just... Um, Cod wallop? A bunch of bullshit. I I knew it! You know, I don't have it in mind. I mean, what does that mean? Yeah, it's completely unenforceable. What it means if you don't have it in your email is that if someone reads your email and and is trying to be really formal and, and thinks that's important, then maybe they'll be like, oh, well, you're not a professional. But really, there's no legal value to having those things. All it does, it takes up real estate. So, in like from a marketing standpoint, use that space to show accreditations and yeah. you know more yeah. links. It, than... it is just I, I can't believe it's lasted so long. Actually, <laughs> you know, we've got it on our email. Do you really? That's so funny. I see. I've got it. I don't have it out of laziness, but I love that I can justify it. Yeah, so, okay, cool. So what, okay, so we've covered website, covered backups. That's more an email, that's more an email. Okay, tell us. So some of the biggest attack vectors for small to medium businesses via email is is not just the, what we call the spoofing of email. So the spoofing of email means that I send you an email and pretend... I'm still waiting for that spoof, just FYI. Yeah. Well, I'm concentrating talking to you. Sure, sure. Multitask. So there's that spoofing of email, um... But there's also um, malicious URLs within emails. So um, the the reality of the internet is that if I can get you to click on a link, mm. uh, there's a good chance that I can I can compromise your your computer or compromise information from you. Jeez. So that means that if I send you an email, and I don't even bother spoofing it. So say for example, I'm, I I pretend it's from Westpac. And I put a link, I make the email exactly the same as Westpac's email, and instead of it being from Westpac, I put it something that, that looks very much similar to Westpac. So I might send the email from uh, marketing at westpac.com dot zero 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 blah blah blah, and you can't see the rest of it. So it's it's generally very difficult to pick that up. And we've all received them. Like we yeah. all, we all, you just go to your junk folder now and you'll see yes. you'll see them. And that's another fantastic part about the um the, the cloud services, the, the Office 365. The spam filters are really yeah, good. They're really, actually, really impressive. I'm really impressed. A lot of that would be to do with the volume of emails. Exactly. So, so they've, they've got, got a... They've, they've got, got, a, got that massive volume and they can do, uh, like, heuristics and, yep. and detection and figure out who's sending all this stuff and block it. So, yeah, that's a big pro for, for using one of those big suppliers. Uh, but still, if, if, you, if you get targeted by someone, then it's not going to come... As, they're only going to pick up the mass spammers who are sending these emails yep. to millions of people. Yep. If I uh, decide to be a little bit less lazy and I start sending those emails, instead of doing it to a million people, I go to the yellow pages and do it to 10,000 people, then my emails are going to get through. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And so if I... Th- there's a number of ways that, that you can be malicious with the emails is, and some of them might be pretending to be a bank-based email and giving you a link to your bank interface, and you click on the link, and it looks exactly the same yes. as Commonwealth Bank's login page, and it's it's got SSL, and it looks perfect, but, yeah, to the untrained eye, it looks perfect. But would the URL would be different? Yeah, but it's, so there's so, there's so many little techniques to, to make those URLs look exactly the same. Like, it's, it's, you really have to be looking to be able to pick that up. Yeah, okay. And, and even myself, as someone that works in information security, I don't trust myself to pick that sort of stuff up. So I put controls in place that, that check that automatically. Is it firewalls that you would put in place or layman's, layman's terms? Yeah, yeah so firewalls are, are more uh, a network traffic control. So you, 
Uh, if you had a firewall, that would stop all emails sort of coming in, okay. which is no good. Okay. But uh, a lot of firewalls do have uh, an extra module on them that basically checks checks the URLs that are coming into your mailbox and checks them for malicious content and that sort of stuff. So what protocols would you put in place? So uh, if you, you can use services like Proofpoint. So Proofpoint, what Proofpoint does is um, when, when an email comes to you, you first send it to Proofpoint and they have uh, millions and billions of emails coming through them and they've got a bunch of technology in place that before they forward the email onto your actual account for your reading, they just double-check the content and all of the links in it for anything malicious. Why wouldn't you recommend this to me previously? This is very important stuff. It's because there's there's a list of thousands of these things. and <laughs> But we're only giving that, like, this is one that you recommend. Yeah, so, so we, we'll go through the basics, but... Uh, yeah, it, th- that's the reason why it's a, a $100 billion industry, right? It's because there's just there's everything. heaps of yeah. this stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's the reason why I, I talk about the risk-based approach because if you go, all right, I want to be safe from attackers, you, there's, there's just too much. Where do you start? Where yeah. do we, like, you, there's just too much stuff to do. So, um, yeah, Proofpoint's a great one. They've got an essential product that's free. What is um, it? What's it? I'm, I'm on the site now. Yeah, it's called Proofpoint Essential. It's a great site. Yeah. Uh, so Could do with some SEO, but yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> great site. Yeah. Um, so that's a good one. Uh, there's a bunch of alternatives to Proofpoint, of course. I'm not associated with Proofpoint. I don't get any money for them, so I probably shouldn't recommend it. No, no. If, if, if that's the one you recommend, yeah. then that, that's one that we'll look at. Mm. Um, okay, so, that, so this is going to help when clicking links from email browsers. Uh, yeah, so that's one thing it helps with. Um, so basically, that's just every time an email comes to you, it's first going through a washing machine. Mm-hmm. And Proofpoint is a washing machine, and it's going to... Uh, there's a bunch of settings. You can either have it warn you if there's bad content and still send it to you, or you can have it block or, or whatever. But basically, it's, it's again, as we talked about with the websites, it's that getting you off that bottom level of, of vulnerability. So you're no longer the easiest target on the internet. Um, we were talking about email spoofing earlier before where... Yeah, so so I guess one of the most misunderstood aspects of, of email is that um, you can send uh, email from... Uh, I can send email myself from anyone. So I can send email as accounts at etraffic.com.au to cam at etraffic.com.au uh, and... Assuming you don't have any other controls in place, like send a policy framework, etc., etc., then email is going to come through to you. And and most people, when they see that the from address is is someone they know or or part of their organization, assume that it is from their organization. This is the scary thing, right? Like I have received it, I didn't believe him, and it's it's like it didn't go to my inbox because of the spam. Mark's just sent me an email. First of all, it says etraffic.com. We, there's no etraffic.com. Okay, sorry. Well, but he could, the, you could have changed that, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so there's that aspect. And then on the email, and I've just taken a photo and I'll, I'll add it into the show notes. It basically says test spoof, yep. right? Cam at etraffic.com.au from accounts. Uh, sorry, reply to accounts at etraffic.com.au. So if I reply to this, will this go to you? No, that will go to accounts at etraffic.com.au. But the point is in the text, because in the, in the body of the, uh, of the email, it just says send me money. Yeah, so I would, if I, if I really wanted to try it, then I would I would put an email like, hi Cam, uh, we, we need to pay this invoice, blah, 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 please transfer or blah, blah, or go to this website. Do another one, because this is actually quite, it's both interesting, alarming, and scary at the same time, <laughs> the fact that you've just done this, right? Um, and in some ways, I'm in the digital tech space, and I yep. didn't think that this was possible. Yep. So um, later on, I want you to send an email from David saying, Can you, uh, dude, I need you to send yeah, me some sure. money, and then put our bank details and see if that actually works. <laughs> it, it, it definitely will. So the good, the good part about, um, about what you guys have got is, is someone here is, has put in an SPF record in your DNS. So what that does is, well, the way how the SPF record is, is configured means that um, if the email comes from a server that's not listed in, in something that you created, so you can say only from Google servers, only Google servers can send email on behalf of airtraffic.com.au. So you've, you've got that in place. 
uh, but you've got it in place in what's called a, a soft a soft block, which means that it will still go through, but it will get tagged as junk or something like that. And that's where it went straight yeah, through. Exactly. Too. So if we if Claro, our IT guy, yeah. didn't actually have that in place with the SPF, then that would go straight to your inbox. Interesting. Yeah. So honestly, I, every business person. Get this, get this fixed. Like this is incredible. Get, yeah. How do people get this fixed, man? So it's really simple. Like anyone who's who's technical who's listening to me say this is going to be saying, "Oh, you're an idiot." That's so simple to fix, and it is. It is simple. But the, the reason why I'm talking about it is because if you're not someone that knows about DNS and DNS records, hands and how up, that, works, including like, me, and, and many most, people, most business owners won't know about that, and it's yes. not, it doesn't mean that they're stupid. It means that they're concentrating on something else. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, there, there's a very simple way to fix it, and it's called an, an SPF record. The, the place where it gets a little bit complicated is um, what that does is it says only these servers can send email from eTraffic. Um, but if, for example, you use something like, um, but like, why did it still get sent through? Because the way that you've got the record configured is in soft block mode. So if, if you look at the actual DNS record, it's got a squiggle instead of a dash. Okay. And even the technical folk that are li- listening, a lot of them won't know the difference between the squiggle and the dash. Mm-hmm. So the squiggle and the dash means let it through but tag it. The dash means don't let it through at all. So would you suggest not let it through <laughs> at all? No, I, I, I actually I actually reckon that the, the squiggle is fine, especially it's called a tilde. No squiggle, uh-huh. but uh, it's fine because like waltzing. Yeah, except in ASCII mode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it's fine the way it is, um, especially if you're using uh, uh, an email provider like Gmail or Office three six five. They'll see your SPF record. They'll see that it's in soft enforce mode, and they'll go, "Okay, this is junk or this is malicious." So the place where it gets a little bit complicated and where some people need help is. Um, Say you didn't know that your IT guy had done this, right? Correct, because that's what that's yeah, his job. Exactly, and that is his job, right? But say, for example, you wanted to do a, an email marketing campaign and you used a service like SendGrid or what's the other one? Uh, MailChimp. Yep. MailChimp. Yep. yep. If MailChimp and SendGrid are not listed in this record, then that means every email that you send in your marketing campaign is going to get tagged as junk and no one's going to read it. Mm. So that is, that is another aspect of information security that is that is often sort of overlooked. It's what's the cost of putting in that control? Like, yeah, it's fantastic that you guys have got it and that you didn't that email got put into junk. But I I bet my bottom dollar that if you decided to do a Mailchimp or a SendGrid uh, uh, email marketing campaign, it's unlikely that you would communicate with your IT guy and make sure that your SPF record is correct so that those emails don't go to all of your your marketing yeah, uh, yeah. targets junk. So, yeah, that, that is an interesting aspect. Um, but all in all, I would say that, um, yeah, you guys were successful in, in blocking my remedial attempt. The fact that it came <laughs> through, though, and I, I don't think that, like, I don't think that any of our clients would actually have this. Mm. Uh, we, we don't offer that as a service, though, right? So yeah. I, I saw it. I didn't believe that it was possible. It did go through, went to a junk. And even then, it's got my my tailbone up a little bit, right? Like that, <laughs> that it's, that's really it's, kind of scary. So it, it really is amazing, like because that's a simple so thing. In terms of you just did that in yeah, front of in me. In terms of sophistication of attacks, this is the absolute lowest, simplest. Any like I, I'm I'm a little bit embarrassed to be talking about it because. Anyone that's really technical is just like, oh my god, that's stupid. Yeah, but why that's would... but that's your domain, right? Yeah, like, exactly. I, like... Exactly. That's why I'm talking about yeah. it because we're not talking to the guys that understand this. We're talking to business owners who don't have a yes. hundred grand to pay an IT guy. But you don't. You see what? Like, I, they don't need that hundred grand IT guy, right? No, they don't. So what do they do to, to stop this? Yeah. So so there's a, there's a bunch of things that they can do. Number one is if you wanted get some understanding yourself, or if you do have an IT guy that's got no experience in security, uh, get them to have a look at, there's a, there's a lot of resources. One of the best ones that I recommend is the Australian Signals Directorate. So the Australian Signals Directorate is Australia's version of the of the NSA. So that's an in, our intelligence agency that does all of the offensive hacking and all that sort of cool stuff. 
But what they also do is they provide Australian businesses and Australian citizens with recommendations on how to do basic security, a basic information security. Yep. So they actually publish uh, a top 32, excuse me, a top 32 mitigation strategies. Mm-hmm. So that's a list of controls like, like SPF, what we were talking about, and like patching and all that sort of stuff. And they provide recommendations on the, the basic things that you can do. Not every business owner is going to be able to do that, but if they've got someone who's got the basic levels of technical ability, they're going to be able to read that and sort of glean from it what some basic controls are and implement them. So, for example, I've got this their, their top four mitigation strategies up in front of me. Um, so, number one is, um, is application whitelisting. So, what that means is... If you've got uh, a few staff members in your office, you want to restrict what they can install on their workstations. North Korea. <laughs> sure. Well, for example, like if you give someone if you give someone a laptop and they're working in your office and they go home and they they go, uh, I'm going to stream, I'm going to stream something from. Sure. For, for free or whatever. Yeah. The free streaming sites are terrible because what they do is they, they use Flash, which is one of the most vulnerable things on the internet or yep. on, your, on your computer, and, and they're going uh, to get breached, so they're going to get a bunch of malware installed on their computer. Most of it's not that serious, but... Some Can I give you an example of one that... Uh, okay, so I was... One of my very first jobs, actually, I was working at Corporate Choice, sales company, and they didn't have this, this in place, yep. and I downloaded Views. Yeah. <laughs> and at, at the office, I thought, Jesus Christ, this is fast. I, I'm pretty sure, like, this is a long, this is over a decade ago, right? So this is, like, still dial-up. Like, that's still... <laughs> dial-up's 20 years ago, right? Is it? No, it wasn't. I still, I had dial-up already 15, 16 okay. years ago. We didn't go to the rich, pretty boy school. But, um, yeah, so I remember I was I was there, and I thought, geez, this is downloading really, really quickly. So I downloaded views, and I put all my TV shows, I put all my movies, and at that time, they had an internet plan where if you exceed X, yeah. you pay for every yeah. megabyte yeah, over, yeah, yeah. and their internet bill came in. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, it was a lot. Like, yeah. it was, uh, from memory, it was at least five, six grand, yeah. right? And it was 500, 600% over. Now, because they didn't have the, you, Prevent yeah. uh, whitelisting, yeah, application whitelisting. Uh, you know, it, the bill. I didn't have to pay for it, but yeah. that is a perfect example of where this comes into play, and it costs them a lot of yeah. money. Exactly, right? exactly. And um, the other aspect of application whitelisting is not just workstations; it's also the servers that you have. So, if you've got uh, a web server or something like that, then you need to ensure that uh, if you have. So, if you have a basic vulnerability whereby people can can do some some really basic sort of exploits, you still need to have application whitelisting in place because that prevents them from from escalating their privileges and from doing something really malicious on your computer. Like the the, the primary thing that will happen to small to medium businesses is their server will get turned into to what's called a zombie mm-hmm. and that becomes part of a botnet and people use them for distributed denial of service attacks. So if I've got if I send out a basic exploit that goes around to and breaches 100,000 computers just because it's got a, a really basic thing, I don't actually have full control of their server, but what I can get it to do is I can get it to send uh, requests to another website. Okay. Then I say to uh, one of the famous examples is, um, is a lot of the Australian um, online, online gambling companies uh, on Melbourne Cup Day every single year they get emails from these distributed denial of service guys saying, if you don't pay us 50 grand or if you don't pay us 20 grand or whatever, then we're going to send millions of requests to your site and no one's going to be able to use it. So on Melbourne Cup Day, no one can place bets. (laughs) Whoa. uh, Because that's not hard to do. No, you know, yeah. like every website can only handle a certain amount of traffic. Exactly. Like, that's why you hear exactly. websites crashing. Exactly. So if you send any any normal website millions of visitors, yeah. website goes down. And, Can't handle the bandwidth. Yeah, exactly. And and if if I'm a small to medium business, like there's no way that the, the cost for preventing or, is that a DDoS attack? It is exactly distributed denial of service. 
DDoS. Very good. <laughs> yeah. I remember because this has happened to us. Yeah. It was from Russia or somewhere like yeah. that. And, yeah. and I, I, I randomly went to a site um, and it was down. I, I went to Clara. Go, hey, what's going on? And he's like, it, I'm, I'm on it. He was yeah. up really early morning. Yeah. So we've been, we've been attacked. And he said DDoS. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it was just a whole bunch plenty. of traffic. And but that's not even hard to do. No, and and, and amongst uh, information security uh, professionals or whatever, like it's not a respected thing because it's something that fourteen-year-olds can can do. It's like it's not. It doesn't require any intelligence. It just requires a willingness to sort of break the law. So let's just say competitor A has a beef with competitor B. <laughs> Then he pays. So, I mean, it's as simple as I'll pay this person to send thousands of millions. There's thousands of services. They're called DDoS for Hire, and and you can DDoS say, for <laughs> Hire. Don't Google. I, it. Yeah, I don't think we're helping the internet. But, <laughs> so, but how do you safeguard it? Like, how do you yeah. safeguard again? And against that, that is one of the. That's uh, well, one thing that I can't give a small to medium business a simple fix for. But can, can I attempt? Can you just say I don't want traffic from Russia? Yeah, you can, but so the problem is that... I don't want traffic from Uzbekistan. Yeah, so the problem is that um, wherever you have control of to... So say you have control of of um, of your server, yep. or even if you're a little bit more advanced, you have control of the router in front of your server, uh, then you can, can control that part and say, whenever traffic gets there, I want to drop it if it's from a certain area. But what happens with denial of service attacks or distributed denial of services attacks DDoS. is they uh, is they throw so much traffic that the the point of failure is is not where your control is. So the point of failure is going to be the internet service provider just before where you're in control. So there's really nothing you can do about it Jeez. unless you pay. So uh, another, another sad thing about the information security business is. Now, to sort of counteract these distributed denial of service groups, there's a bunch of companies that offer DDoS mitigation, and basically you pay them thousands of dollars a month to, when you get under attack, you route all your traffic through them, and they just pay, they have huge amounts of bandwidth, and they can filter it all out, but basically you pay for the privilege of being able to divert your traffic to them, and then they clean it up and send it on to you. But, um... Yeah, that, that's getting on to... Um, but you know what's interesting? DDoS mitigation, Australia, searches per month. Yeah. It's only 50. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know, right? Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Like, this is... But you use it as a guide. It's not... Yeah. It's exactly 50. Yeah. But the fact that it's that low and it's that important... Yeah. Well, so... Yeah. Oh, it, wow. It, like, of course, it depends. Let's, let's go back to the risk-based approach. Like... But if it happens once, right? Yep. So risk-based approach, how much will it cost your business if your website is exactly. down for a day? Exactly. How much did that cost you? Yep. Like if it happens once, okay. If it happens twice, okay. Yep. If it happens three, do something about it. Well, yeah. So someone, a, some, if, so, if it happens often, then someone's yeah. got a bonus. Well, you. even if you, if you assess the risk. So at a, an organization I previously worked at, we did not actually come under a DDoS attack, but we assessed the risk of and likelihood of it occurring. <laughs> And we decided that the that just the risk of it occurring was sufficient for us to pay, and we ended up paying 100, 120 grand a year. Jeez. just for that, just for the mitigation of that risk. And it's not realistic that every small to medium business is going to pay that. But uh, when you start move, when you start moving up to say your business is making two million bucks a month or, or yep. three million bucks a month or whatever, then it, it really like. Yeah, it, you can't. It is, you can't. You can't afford for yeah, such a it just like it's like insurance. It's do like, you still get DDoS attacks now? Do you have you ever had one? Yeah, we, we've had a lot of them. So, uh, well, when I say we, the Stop companies making I've, enemies, I've, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like it's it's it really is sort of random. Like uh, because of the ease of the attack and um, and the people that are doing it are just doing it every day to whoever they can, and it's just extortion. Is like, it malicious or is it like? Is there a reason behind it? No, no, it's purely malicious. So it's just basic extortion. Yeah. So it's, we're going to attack this company because they, they, we think that they're going to pay us. So when you're using the, is it the TAB or whatever, Melbourne Cup uh, example? Yeah. Do they pay? Yeah, I believe they do. So they, pay, well, they, they so, pay for terrorists? I, I, well, <laughs> they're funding terrorists. Well, it's extortion. They're paying for internet gangsters. Wow. <laughs> and what would, you, what would your advice be to them? Uh, well, so so Hire my my, my <laughs> ideology is that uh, is that you should never pay them because I agree because then they'll just keep on doing exactly, it exactly it just keeps on doing it and the the, the um 
the sad part about it all is that um, if all of the internet service providers actually agreed as, as an industry, there's a very simple way of, of preventing it ever from happening again. But the fact of the matter is, is that there's, there's too, much, uh, too much politics around it all and, um, and instead of just doing the basic simple fix that, that could be implemented, um, yeah, uh, we, we still all have to deal with this problem and, and we have to pay extortion one way or the other, whether, whether it's through paying the, the criminals or paying the guys that are... To fix it. Well, the, the guys that uh, charge you for the risk mitigation. Mm. Anyway. So, so no, but that's really interesting as well. Really, really fascinating topic. So, mm. what would Mr. and Mrs. Business Owner, should, what should they well, do? Well, so, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Business Owner, don't even worry about it. Uh, until, until you actually have a problem with it, uh, don't, don't worry about it too much. And, and don't pay unnecessarily for a DDoS mitigation service. Uh, that you can't really test, you can't really ensure works, uh, and cost thousands of dollars for something that may or may not happen. So I would recommend not doing a DDoS uh, mitigation service. But but back to the, the topic, the reason why we're talking about that is because application whitelisting is something that prevents your server from being one of the servers that contributes to those attacks. Yep. So that's just being a good sort of internet citizen is, is application whitelisting. Same thing goes for patch patching systems. So ensuring that your WordPress, ensuring that your, your web server, whether it's Apache or Nginx or whatever, uh, ensuring that the operating system are all up to date. So let me, let me just let me piggyback a bit yep. because I don't think that a lot of people would know that. And so what the general population would do is they would be either – so there's two. So they'd either get a Bluehost, GoDaddy, crazy yep. domains. Yep. Or they would pay for a company that has their own server, like yeah. like us, for example, yeah. and then we manage that for them. Those are the two, but they wouldn't know any of those. Any yeah, of that and, and so exactly. So when you say that, and and um, and the, the the business owner says, "Well, we don't have the resources to do that. I don't know how to do that." Um, if you go with a a managed service provider like like a GoDaddy or a hosting company like that, then they basically for better or worse, take care of your lower level patching, like your operating system and your web server and that sort of stuff. Do you know what my, like, do you know why I don't like those? Hmm. How many sites would be on one of these? Exactly, sites? exactly. And yeah. how do you know you're not sharing a server with a porn site, uh, yeah, a gambling course. site, and your website, they, they, like, that trickles yeah, through. Exactly. Like, that affects a lot of 100%, different things. Uh, 100%. So, like, if you... Uh, if you've got a business that makes money online, uh, particularly through a website... No, but it's not just makes money online. That's lead generation. Well, uh, yeah, uh, exactly. Very good point. If you've got a, a, a website that's a valuable asset to your business, whether yep. it's revenue generating or otherwise, if you say, all right, I think this website uh, is worth $10,000 a year or, or $100,000 a year or whatever, and you're paying... Seven dollars a month for hosting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, w like, why? Why do you think that there's service providers that that provide a higher level of service at a higher price? There's if, if if that shared hosting was fine, there wouldn't be a market for for better services. So yeah. there there are downfalls to it. I'm not going to go through them all right now. There's no point. But if you care about it, at least you're going to engage a company that's going to give you the support and tell you. All right, you need to be aware that your WordPress is down, uh, is is not patched. You need to be aware that you're getting DDoS. You're on your own IP address, so you're not going to get blacklisted because there's uh, very important some other site going around. Very important. Yeah. and it actually, you know what? From a marketing perspective, it actually affects your SEO. Of course, right? no, yeah, it does because if you've got a site on the same server as you and they're getting spammed like you wouldn't believe, yeah. and they've got all of this negative stuff, like that trickles through to you because you're yeah. Uh, there, there's there's so many aspects to it as well because like. Uh, so most of the search engine, especially Google, for example, they're going to say, uh, "Is you is the person searching for your site in Australia? Is your is your your server in Australia? Doesn't have its own IP address? What else is on that IP? Address? It all affects everything." Well, we're actually doing um, some SEO for a customer, and you know we're doing we're, we're doing everything right. We're ticking all the boxes, yeah. doing a normal A to B, C to D, yeah, and there was no increment. Like the results were not what we expected, yeah. What some person recommended that we act like we get them off. I won't. I won't say X 
uh, server yep. provider and get them onto you know someone else. Yeah. And had an immediate impact. Yeah. Immediate. Yeah. Not, like, and if you think of your website as a revenue generating tool, yeah. it's an asset, not for branding, not just for yeah, exactly. Like, well, and the other argument to that is, um, <laughs> some if you're paying nine dollars a month for hosting, then the hosting provider does not care about your your service. So, like, well, they care about your service. They don't care about your website. No, they, they, like, they don't. They're not going to go overboard. But if your site goes down, do they notify you, or do they try and fit like that? Like that's a really important aspect, right? Yeah. So that's what I wanted to talk about as well. Yeah. What? How do you know if your site's down? Yeah, so, uh, a good question. So, there's a, and it's a lot more complex than, is your site down? Why? So, so if your site... It's A or B. No, it's not. It's not A or B. That is, so that, that's an amazingly complex question for something that's so simple. So, for example, uh, one of the hardest things to, to pin down when you're providing, so say you're providing a, a government agency or a, a large organization with a, a really hugely important application and you've got contracts in place that say this site has to be available 99.9% of the time or 99.9999, blah, blah, blah. How do you establish whether the site is available or not? Does that mean that when you go to the site, it responds? If it responds in 20 seconds or 30 seconds, is that available? Okay. If, it responds, with a, if it responds with an error, is that available? If all of the pages except for one works, is that available? There's a there's a lot of intricacies to it, and um, but uh, would it would it be to do purely with the server because everything else has got nothing to do with the actual hosting company? Itself. Well, so again, that depends on on how valuable the asset is to you. So for at Security Shift, we manage some extremely high value assets, uh, and and for example, government agencies say this is something that handles legal tender. We cannot allow that to go down. It doesn't matter if, but you, you can't like, not. You, you, well, you, you, if you, that's the thing, if you've got the money to spend, then for example, we have multiple homed routes to our site. So if if our ISP and three other ISPs go down, but the, what was the Obama Health? Yeah, that went down. Yeah, so they the, would have the Australian that, Census. That was a massive one. So the Australian Census was a huge disaster. They spent hundreds of millions of dollars setting up the census and telling everyone to do it, and then when everyone went to it, it was broken. Yeah. And, and, and the, the, I guess the point that I would make there is that, um, that when you're seeking help, uh, you need to go to someone with, with a good track record and who's reputable. But, well, even the Australian census, that was done by IBM, and, and when they did the investigation on why all of that failed, it was most technical people would say it was remedial, remedial things. Okay. But so, like, let, let's let's talk to Mr. and Mrs. Yep. Business owner. Um, should they just be relying on the managed hosting company to just be on top of it? Uh, if, if, if I... Or, or would, you know, like, I think we use Pingdom. So, yeah, Pingdom's a good external monitor. Um, you also want to have in, internal monitoring. So, you want to know if you're going to run out of disk space. You want to know if uh, you're running out of resources on your server. There, there's... There's huge amount of of, uh, of effort you can go to load balancing, uh, any cast connecting to your site. You can you can do so much stuff. And again, it's it's that risk based approach whereby you say this is how much this is worth to me. This is how much I'm willing to spend on on doing it. And then then the tough part, well not the tough part, but then then you need to find someone who is capable of saying. All right, I understand this is how much it's worth. I understand this is how much you're willing to spend. Yep. Now I'm going to do the most cost-effective controls, I'm going to put the most cost-effective controls in place to provide you with what you want for the, for the money that you want to spend. Okay. Uh, so, so in general, you, you want to find, uh, find someone, uh, a company that's technically able to do that. Um, th- there are a lot of companies that do it. Finding people that are capable of doing it is, is, the, uh, is the hard part. What would you expect the cost to be? Like what would the be? What would you? And don't give me the risk no, analysis. Don't. So, for, I, I, it's, you have to because, for example, I have clients at Security Shift. We have clients that pay upwards of sixty thousand dollars a month Jesus. for hosting. Yeah. Versus people that pay ten dollars a month for hosting. 
yeah, so, but, I th- but I think that, yeah, but I think the people that spend ten dollars a month per, for hosting don't actually understand what they're paying for, and yeah. they just see the dollar amount, right? Yeah. And yeah. I think that this is going to help them understand. Yeah, you know, if that goes down, well, like hosting is not just yeah. hosting. Yeah, yeah. So agree. So in the like, if people want someone like security shift, our business is is really focused. Not so much on small to medium businesses. Like we do offer services for small to medium businesses, but at least we can provide. Like if, if someone wants help and they say they need help, then you can contact us at at, at, our, at our accounts at securityshift.com and we will point you in the direction of someone that can provide you with the service that you're looking for. It might be us. It might be someone else. This was really fun, man. I really loved it. Do you want to get yeah. some final words? Uh, yeah, I think we've gone to it all. So obviously, um, yeah, if you need some help, contact us at, uh, at uh, us at uh, securityshift.com. Um, but yeah, uh, otherwise it's, it's been fun. It really, really good. Like everyone, uh, this has really opened up my eyes on, you know, the, the, the email that Mark sent me from <laughs> my accounts team, you know, um, just opening a, my eyes up over, you know, the fact that your website can be hacked really easily, DDoS attacks, research it, like just look into it and don't just rely on that $10 a month hosting account and thinking that you're safe because there's so much more variables to it. You've got to think how valuable is your online asset to your business. Yeah, uh, sorry, one more one more thing that I will say is to all the, the technical people that have been frustrated with me talking about the, uh, the very basic sort of uh, exploits and vulnerabilities, uh, strong recommendation to listen to the Risky.biz podcast made out of Melbourne uh, by Patrick Gray. It's one of the best podcasts I can recommend, so Risky.biz. He's adorable. Thank <laughs> you very much, Mark Culhane. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Digital Cowboys with Cameron Francis and Sam Roshan. Now, if you enjoyed today's episode, head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. And please, write a review. Also, head on over to digitalcowboys.com.au, where we post the latest episodes and content pieces for all of our listeners. So saddle up and join us next time for another edition of the Digital Cowboys.